All right, we are back. Let's uh, let's talk some science here today, and and some statistical things too. Like like this isn't really science, but this really struck me during the break from a clipping that I've been hanging on to for a while. In Russia, more than ninety nine percent of people charged with crimes are found guilty. Of the tiny number who are initially acquitted, nearly half are later convicted on a prosecutor's appeal. And, uh, God, it's another little item I didn't mention from that Sacramento magazine. According to the National Department of Transportation and State Farm Insurance, Fair Oaks Boulevard and Howe Avenue in Sacramento is the 10th most dangerous intersection in America. I've never seen an accident. I've driven the intersection a million times. I don't think I've ever seen an accident in it. All right, we have quite a spectacular issue uh, this week of New Scientist magazine. So even though I had a whole pile of science I want to do, I'm just going to take them all, I think, out of this issue because it's really stellar. For example, you can report with some glee that after widespread protest, the state-run zoo in Tulsa, Oklahoma, has reversed its decision to install a display on the biblical account of creation. Creationists had demanded quote, equal time, unquote, with religious displays, which to them meant a statue of the elephant-headed Hindu god Ganesh that was near the elephant house. All right, study from Australia says you shouldn't uh, talk and drive. Hands-free is not risk-free. People who chatted on their cell phones in a study down in Perth um, were found to be four times as likely to crash even if they're using a hands-free system to talk. It's not, it's not the hands, it's the talking. July 16th marked the 60th anniversary of the Trinity Test, the world's first atomic bomb test in New Mexico, 1945. New scientists asked the question, 60 years on, is the world any safer? There are now nine nuclear nations. There are now 27,000 nuclear bombs in existence. And there's 1,855 tons of plutonium out there. The article mentions Mordecai Venunu, who we interviewed on this show. Um, Venunu contends that uh, nations will cheat because Israel's cheating. And the new scientist um, author Rob Edwards apparently seems to agree, noting that uh, India in 1998 tested five nuclear bombs. Two weeks later, Pakistan followed with six of its own and that Israel's secretive weapons program has raised tensions throughout the Middle East. And we should add that even as we speak, Israel still does not admit that it has nuclear weapons. Well, this has caused people like Pakistan. Uh, there has basically been a, a technology smuggling, a nuclear technology smuggling going on, um, masterminded by Abdul Qadir Khan, father of Pakistan's atomic bomb, who's been uh, selling his know-how to the Libyans. To, uh, for a while, he was selling it to Iraq. Uh, he's apparently helping the Iranians. He's been offering services to the North Koreans. So, uh, you know, Abdul Qadir Khan is the poster boy for nuclear proliferation. And I don't think it helps the fact that, uh, you know, a few countries away, uh, Israel has a weapons program that it's just not, not owning up to. And uh, Venunu, Mordecai Venunu, we found out thanks to our, our co-host, uh, co uh, 
well, I guess he's not really a public affairs host officially, but Gil Metavoy's program, Crossing Continents, uh, certainly covers public affairs as, as good as anyone. According to Gil, uh, Mordecai Vanunu was sentenced by an Israeli court to remain in Israel under house arrest for one more year, during which time he's still not supposed to talk to uh, the media. But uh, fortunately, he is continuing to do so. Whether Israel is going to retaliate and ever let him out of the country is another story. One thing I very find very puzzling about nuclear proliferation is there was um, a one-time superpower, the USSR, doesn't exist anymore, had a you know roughly a rough parity in terms of nuclear weapons uh, with us, the United States, the world's leading nuclear power, and um, in spite of having all of this firepower lying around what used to be the USSR, the G8 uh, summit in Glen Eagle, Scotland last week, renewed their pledge to try and clean up uh, the Russian nukes. They're devoting $20 billion over the next 10 years to help Russia deal with its staggering stockpiles of Soviet-era fissile material and also to dismantle its nuclear submarines. So by my quick back-of-the-envelope calculations, it seems to me that the amount of money we're spending on the war in Iraq... Uh, in about know, 40 days, something like that, uh, you know, about a billion dollars every other day, 40 days worth of Iraqi war could cover that $20 billion we're pledging to help clean up the world's largest uh, nuclear uh, repository. <laughs> Nukes are everywhere. And if, um, if Al-Qaeda or anybody else, any other terrorist groups, get, gets a hold of a nuclear weapon... The odds are it's going to come from what was once the USSR. All right, my producer tells me we got about three minutes, so let's close with the the cover story of New Scientist magazine, White Knuckle Planet. Um, it talks about how we on Earth have generally dodged some bullets as the Earth orbits the galaxy, as it orbits the Sun, and the Sun goes around the galaxy every 250 million years. Well, when it does that, it puts us near, puts it near risk of a, of a star blowing up, a supernova nearby, going through molecular clouds in the galaxy, um, passing a nearby body that dislodges comets and asteroids to come raining down in the early solar, in the, uh, the inner solar system. Um, really fascinating look at all these huge hazards out there in the galaxy that even though all these things that are magna stars, uh, gamma ray bursters, things like this that would that could injure life on Earth are far away, that changes as we move about. And this may explain some of the mass extinctions that have taken place in the fossil record. Very interesting stuff. I think the single most fascinating uh, speculation in this article was that there are some very dense dust clouds out in the galaxy, and as the Earth orbits around uh, the Milky Way, we're expected to crash into them every so often, and about 1 in 30 is dense enough to flood the Earth with sufficient dust to uh, affect our weather. And it's speculated that perhaps when the Earth froze over, which it apparently did twice, both 600 million years ago and 750 million years ago, it could have been because of an interaction with one of these clouds. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, 
the, um, the, the bright boys out there in geology and, and physics are going to take a look at some of the clues we might find on Earth, and we may be able to determine, uh, you know, if that happened. And it's also noted that the Earth's magnetic field would give us quite a bit of protection from these dust clouds, but on the average, about every 200,000 years, for reasons that nobody really understands, the Earth's magnetic poles flip. And there's a period when it hasn't quite flipped, but is in the process of flipping, during which we don't have much, uh, much protection from charged particles coming in that would normally be deflected by a magnetic field. So, you know, if we hit a cloud during one of these reversals, it probably was big trouble. All right, final, uh, final item of the day. It turns out that a drug that targets one of the same brain receptors as nicotine boosts memory and attention in the elderly. The drug called ispronocline, uh, basically when given to the elderly, uh, resulted in reaction times that were those of people who were 10 years younger. So here's a question for you smokers out there who are up in years. Do you find that having a smoke really sharpens your, uh, your, your mental functioning? I mean, it's that great paradox of, of nicotine that by, by jacking up your parasympathetic nervous system, it relaxes you and, and gives you increased mental sharpness. That's what all my smoking friends tell me. But is this something that the elderly really want to hang on to because it keeps them a little more on the ball? Very interesting question, and, and I think we'll have an answer to that in the not-too-distant future when more people study uh, this memory-boosting drug. We are out of time. Our thanks to Dr. Barry Siegel and Dr. Andrew Nangalama, both of whom I uh, hope will return to our program in the future. The show is produced, as it always is, by Edward McMillan. I'm your host, Douglas Everett, and you should, of course, stay tuned now for Todd, who follows with hometown atrocities, as he always does. And, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to say I gave him a, uh, a copy of a Spinal Tap CD last week with, without actually containing the CD inside the jewel case. We'll have to see if we can straighten that out. Because I know that Todd is anxious to play more Spinal Tap for you. 